welcome to the Refined Podcast with Amber Anderson, where wedding planners like you come to be encouraged and challenged through radical honesty, tough love, and brilliant ideas. As a former personal trainer turned wedding planner and now educator, Amber is known for helping wedding planners grow through her no BS yet considerate and thoughtful approach. The Refined Podcast tackles the issues you think about but fear bringing up, all with Amber's trademark sass and wit. So as you listen, be sure to hit that subscribe button, making sure you never miss that one little nugget that could change it all for you. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Refine Podcast. Today, I have my dear friend Cassie Crudo joining us. We are going to be talking about divorce while planning weddings for other people, which is quite the topic. And so I'm so grateful for my friend Cassie to come in and be willing to share her experience in this because it's not the easiest thing to talk about. And it's something that can leave us feeling isolating if we don't have someone to share their experience. So Cassie, thank you very much and welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So Cassie and I know each other. We're friends here in Austin. So Cassie, tell us a little bit about you. Give us the high level version of who you are. What's your business? Like what? Are, who's your client? Tell us about that. Yeah. So my company's name is Bride's Best Friend and I have been planning now for 11 years which is bizarre to be able to say that I've been doing something for a decade. And our clientele tend to be less traditional. They are paying for a portion of the wedding on their own. They generally plan as a couple instead of it just being bride-centric. And so we really kind of try to attract that market as well of collaborating as a team, going through it as a couple, and then, you know, fucking tradition when you can. Yeah, no, you're definitely like... Tradition? What's tradition? No tradition. <laughs> Tradition's overrated. It. Cassie's like, give me all the blue wedding dresses and purple hair. So I love it. I love it. So Cassie and I, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I think Jeff is the one that introduced us, right? One of our DJ friends. Yes. Introduced yes. us eons ago. And then we just kind of slowly became friends and started then. What was the first step? I think we started. We had coffee. Coffee. And then. Hey, do you have an assistant available for this date? We're shorthanded kind of stuff started happening. We kind of just started sharing assistance in that way, which I thought was really cool. And that's a whole so, episode in itself. Like I should totally do a topic on that, like how to do that. And because it requires a lot of trust, but I feel like that's something you and I have. No, you definitely should. Cause it, it helped kind of expand my company. But I do remember in our first meeting, I had a lot of questions about how full service works because I had done coordination for a long time, but not full service. And I had no idea what meetings I should attend and I couldn't figure it out. So I asked a DJ because that made sense at the time. Um, but we were really good friends and he said, hey, you have to meet this person. That was how that intro went on my side. <laughs> I don't think I ever knew that part of the story. Oh yeah. I had so many questions. Like, do you go to a catering tasting? I don't know. Am I an awkward third wheel? And now I'm like, oh yeah, you absolutely go to it. Cause all of the logistics are defined at the catering <laughs> tasting and they will <laughs> run away with you. I can see Jeff's face. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe you should talk to Amber. That's cool. No, I did not know that part of the story. I mean, I knew it, inter- I mean, obviously I knew it introduced us, but I didn't, I don't think I knew it led up to that. So, but I've loved it. And we've been in community together ever since, despite being competitors. And I love that. So tell me, like, we've been in the Austin, the Associated Wedding Planners of Austin organization. 
together. We've overlapped at different times and obviously are in refined together. Talk to me about, because you've shared this with me behind the scenes. Talk to me about the feelings and pros and cons as a refiner having your local competition in the same group. How do you navigate that? I mean, well, overall, most of the competitors in Austin have a community over competition feel. It's kind of a unique thing. And I, I definitely think you had a play in that. But I think it's a unique trend for Austin specifically, not that it doesn't happen in other areas. I do still have to be a little bit careful what I post so that I'm not, I try really hard not to be derogatory or negative about anyone else in Austin or, or anywhere really. Because I, A, don't think that that's a smart way of doing business or a way to spend your energy or your time or your effort. But beyond that, you do have to keep in mind that you don't know who's who's reading this. It could be the best friend that is also a planner of your client that didn't live in the same state and therefore didn't do their wedding. Or it could be somebody down the street who, you know, works in the same even niche that you do. But overall, I feel like it's helped. Austin come together and really kind of create its own sub community of refiners. And I definitely think that came home when we all went to wedding MBA and there were like 10 planners from Austin that all got really close, partially because we all knew each other from refine. And so we had refine in common. Some of us had APA in common, the wedding planning group in Austin, but not everybody. And we all just kind of went out to dinner and, and definitely learned each other and got really close. And I think that really changed the game for me of having a really close knit community that I call my friends that are also colleagues, because, you know, when you own your own company, you don't really have colleagues or coworkers. And they really kind of stepped into that role for me beyond just being able to have somebody to talk about, like, only wedding planners know what wedding planners go through. There is really nothing else like it. So having that camaraderie has definitely helped really explode my business, which sounds backwards, but is totally true. Oh, the number of referrals we get from other planners is the, I mean, of all of our word of mouth referrals, we get more from planners than we do any other category. I have ended up on venue lists because because another planner recommended that, oh yeah, you should, you should just put this person on here for offbeat. And so they, I get emails saying that they got me from a venue that I've never heard of. Not cool. So really cool. Point of that story, friends, is invite your don't be scared of it. Invite your friends into refine and lean in and and inspire community in your competitive market. It can re- it really can be done. And I think a lot of times I find that some of the competition is less competition and cattiness and more insecurity. And sometimes people are just drawn to who they know when they're in a networking environment. And sometimes it really does take someone just walking up and saying hi and starting the small talk because no one likes to do the small talk. So if you're just willing to do it, it really can, you really can become the glue between a bunch of different groups that are really kind and nice and helpful. They just maybe aren't, you know, the one that are going to start the small talk because that's uncomfortable. So I mean, there are a lot of nuances there, but just have an open mind with it is my point. So, okay, Cassie, thanks for sharing that. Let's jump into your story going through a divorce as a wedding planner, because it comes up in Refine ever so often. Not very often, I mean, not very often, but when it does, there's this whole outpouring of of planners like, oh my gosh, I feel so alone in this. I feel defeated and, and there's a challenge here and I'm, I've lost my motivation. And so, yeah, tell us your story and let's just kind of see where the conversation leads. Cool? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I actually did wedding planning as a side hustle for about seven years before I went out full time. And I went full time in 2017, January 1, because I like clean dates, apparently. And we ended up, I moved out of my house January 1 of 2018. So I had basically had that first year under my belt of working in the negative. I had saved up a bunch and was drawing against my savings to make a full salary because my company wasn't quite producing what it needed to, which was the plan. And then I moved out in January of 2018 and it kind of flipped my world upside down. I'm lucky in that my my divorce was very amicable. We just, he wasn't my human. He will be a great human for somebody else, but it was very amicable, but it was still something that completely changed and shifted all of my planning of how my business was going to be structured and how my business was going to survive along with just the um, specifics of planning for other people and still needing to be their support in addition to my own support, kind of going through a separation, moving out of my own house, and then kind of changing my identity from a married human to a not married human really kind of changed how I interact with some of my clients. And I think the thing that drives home the most is, do you tell your clients? Do you hide this from them? Because I get, I get really close with a lot of my clients. I mean, we, you know, they know basic things about my life and we, you know, chat about life change. We chat about, you know, what's making them happy and what's going on. And I do that both for very intentional reasons, because I like to know what's stressing them out. And that helps me make better guidelines on what we're going to tackle next. If they're really stressed about something, then maybe we don't tackle the biggest vendor right that second. So it does have a very practical reasoning. But beyond that, I like to have a a relationship with my clients. And so with this specifically, a lot of people channel their own experience of planning a wedding into how they relate to their clients. So, oh yeah, when I was planning my wedding, I did this. And for me specifically, I was planning a wedding when I got married across state lines from Texas to California. And a lot of my clients don't live here. So that is really a tangible way I can relate with them. And so I struggled for a long time about whether or not to hide that experience from them and what that really looks like. So I'm sure we're going to get into some of that, but overall, that was kind of the the process and like where I was in my company and my brain space per se. Yeah, no. Okay. So you started to go down a path that I want to explore a little bit more of, of inching into talking about things that maybe surprise you or caught you off guard or that maybe others should know or prepare for. And, and I'm grateful that yours was amicable, but even still it was hard. So I would what like think to, as we talk about this, like how we can talk and speak into the hurt and pain of a really ugly divorce, like, and how that escalates some of this stuff too. So like, because I know that you've talked to other planners that have gone through this, so you're going to have more insight on it than I am from all those different angles is, is kind of where I'm, I'm going with that. So yeah, talk to me about like, what are some things that caught you off guard or that you've heard catch people off guard? Um, and as you talk to your couples, how, what did that look like? And do you feel like you, I know that some people I've heard 
ask, like, I feel so defeated in the like concept of marriage right now. I'm having a hard time serving someone leaning into leading into it. And so like, that's kind of a mind game. So I kind of like threw like five things at you once. <laughs> that's okay. A, I started it one and like hit it. <laughs> okay. So things that caught me off guard. Well, I had a double wedding weekend when he asked me to move out. So I had a wedding on the 29th and the 31st. He asked me to move out on the 30th. And I said, for no one. And I said, Hey, I don't think I can really do anything until the first. And the kicker was he was scheduled to be my assistant for New Year's Eve. So that was probably the hardest wedding I've ever worked. Not because the location was difficult. It was actually at an all-inclusive style venue as far as like it was at a restaurant. So they, you know, had fantastic vendors, but having to on a romantic night, be that close to somebody that I was so hurt by. And not that I didn't see it coming, but just, you know, really didn't know it was going to happen right then. And normally I don't have a partner as my assistant. I actually only do that on New Year's Eve so that we can kiss at midnight. So that was cute. And it uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bad day. But my clients didn't know. And we kind of stayed on opposite sides of the room so that I didn't cry. And I leaned into the logistics really hard. So when they walked down the aisle, I walked away. There's nothing I can do to help a ceremony mid-ceremony. I don't have to watch it. That is just a self-damaging thing when you're hurting. And that can be divorce. That can be, you had a really bad fight. That can be, and you know, a breakup with a boyfriend. Like that can, that can be whatever level of hurt. You don't have to watch the sappy parts if you don't need to. There is no reason I have to stand there and watch them take super romantic photographs. I can give the photographer water and walk away. And those are kind of some self-protection things that I did throughout the day when I really couldn't. I was able to kind of self-segment a little bit and separate their feelings from mine and really just kind of lean into the logistics really hard. And so I think it's probably a lot harder for photographers who have to lean into that emotion and really have to like encourage those interactions. But as a planner, I was able to kind of walk away for some of those and witness what I wanted to and leave the room when I didn't, when I couldn't handle it. And that doesn't mean like leaving my client high and dry. It's just, there's no reason I have to sit there and watch all of the toasts about how much they're in love. Like that just, I can walk away. And I do that sometimes too, based on other things I have going on behind the scenes. So that's definitely oh, not a sure. client in any way. Um, and then other times I don't have things going on behind the scenes and I am in a good headspace and I want to listen to them and it's inspiring in other ways for me in my personal life. So, you know, those are definitely things that we have choices about. I'm glad that you, you pointed it out for sure. And what a good point about the photographer. That's, that's hard, but like, no, on the flip side, you're in their emails for a year listening to the way they're interacting. And especially since you're working in a couple, a couple focused business model, mm-hmm. uh, you're seeing that and you're like watching them interact. And so were there points in the planning process that you had self-preservation thing, like stuff set up or like, what did that look like? So my planning process isn't like super lovey-dovey. That sounds weird, but my planning process is very much about like, where are your values? What do you want to do? Here's our options. And it's very kind of orchestrated. And I don't mean to say that it's not friendly, but I, I didn't really have that. Like, I haven't been a star-crossed lovers planner for a while. And maybe that's just because I've been doing it for so long that there, it really takes a specific couple to get my attention. 
I haven't cried at a ceremony in a long time until last January. And so, which is after that was not the year I got divorced, but, but I mean, I think, I think I had kind of the option to both lean into design and other portions rather than focusing really hard on those emotions. And that kind of helped with my self-care. I've always been really clear about boundaries on like, you can't text me at night. Like this is not a thing. I generally don't really text my clients at all. And so I do have the option to just kind of like walk away from my, from my email, which actually during the pandemic served me very well because I didn't, I mean, I was a therapist just as much then. And I was able to kind of walk away because I had established those boundaries early on. And I actually limited my office hours, both in the, in the divorce and in the pandemic, I limited my office hours because it was just all I could handle. And then kind of leaned into my hobbies and things like that to kind of help um, rejuvenate me. And so, yeah, I think I kind of had that self-protection a little bit already built in so that I had a healthy family life and I was able to kind of utilize those to my advantage through the divorce. That's good. I feel like you touched on something really important there in that these things that you're talking about can apply to other hard things that we go through. These tools and boundaries and self-care tactics can really apply in loss of a a friend or family member to, you know, circumstance or life passing or, you know, all kinds of hard things that we, our child having cancer or like, you know, and so, and they're all going to look different. These things are going to look different in each of those circumstances, but by all means, like what I think I find like, so the only way I can really relate to this, the biggest thing that's happened to me as a wedding planner was when I was having the kids and I had really high risk pregnancies. And then Annie's, you know, the story of Annie, it was just kind Mm -hmm. of like, an absolute shit show after she was born. And I won't, that's not the point of this podcast, but like <laughs> I really struggled with some resentment a little bit with my couples. So I want to ask you about this, but like a tiny, like I kind of struggled with resenting that like to in my, you just see them going through this, like, this is the biggest thing ever. And it's like, actually there are a lot of big things that happen in life like this. And it's not fair for, it wasn't fair for me to like put on them that like, oh, they don't know any better. Like just you wait, just wait till they have babies or they right. go through divorce or whatever it is that we're talking about. What? Just wait till they, like this isn't the most important day ever. It's actually kind of like the start of a lot of important days. <laughs> and so I kind of had some resentment over like them fighting over cake tables when like my pregnancy was at high risk. It's like, there's something like priorities. Miss, yeah. I, just, I just feel like priorities were off and like, did that play with your head at all? Like, what would you say to that? So I actually had in a consultation, had a potential client say, if this is the biggest of day of my life, then why the hell am I getting married? And Amen. I immediately was like, you are my client. Yeah. And so I kind of channel her a little bit sometimes. And a lot of times table conversations, if I'm getting, if I do have a value mismatch with them on like linens or things like that. Like I usually don't care if you get ivory or champagne or white linens, like as long as it goes with the design, fantastic. And if I didn't do your design, I certainly just want you to pick one. And that sounds really negative. And I realize that design is definitely a component, but there is just so many hours that I can talk about linens or plates. I had an eight, I had a client where I had eight hours of conversation about plates. Like there's just too much there. And so what I usually do is I table those. And so I actually send them a recap after the meeting and say, Hey, 
these are the things that y'all needed to continue discussing about, like, please do let me know what your decision is so that they can spend all the time that they want after the fact, but I don't have to deal with it. And I can kind of reclaim the meeting and reclaim my time and reclaim my values. And so that really helped kind of some of those. And then when I was getting frustrated or there was like a really meaningful conversation, I could also table those. And so using that as a tactic to like, not make them feel like I'm not here to provide guidance, but there's no reason you need me on this discussion when you're going back and forth. Like just let's table that, let's spend our time effectively. You have me as a consultant, let's use that time to consult. And then you can discuss that. And if you have any additional questions then check back in. But overall, I feel like my clients, and, and maybe this is because I self-select my clients and I'm pretty picky, my clients tend to value culture over design. And while sometimes that hurts me because my designs don't get the creativity that I would love to be able to like stretch my legs on, it does mean that their weddings are fun. And I get lots of people at the end saying like, wow, this is the most fun wedding that I've been. And I kind of thrive on some of that ego stroke and like, that love that kind of comes out for, wow, we can really see that the the logistics really went well. So I think some of it I was able to kind of shy away from just because I self-select my clients so hard. And I realized that I, that is that is speaking from a place of privilege. I was able to, even through the divorce, I definitely took weddings that I would not have taken without some financial risk. And that does lead to more of those discussions of, like you're not necessarily my client match, but I need money. And therefore that's where we are. And so I definitely had some of those through the divorce, but, you know, definitely kind of being able to table things that mismatch with the urgency. The other things is I just handled more things through email. I do have it set up in my package to have monthly consultations, but I will preemptively reach out to that client if we have nothing to go over and say, hey, like, I think we kind of have everything handled. Do you still want to do a call and give them the opportunity? But I also know that my ideal client is tends to be like a really busy professional. And so if I want to opt out of that call, I will take care of everything through email. And then a week later, ask if they want to opt out of that call. And that really helped when I was going through like depression to be able to work when my, when my depression was at bay and then be able to kind of do some self-care during that time. That's not like a normal operation for me, but it is, you know, a tactic that I used whenever I'm not doing well. And there has to be some kind of, I'm still delivering the service that my clients need and I am still there and I am still showing progress and I'm still advocate for them and an organizer for them and helping guide them and, and make sure that they're still moving forward, but preventing the emotional connection that maybe I couldn't handle right that second. And then we'll pick it up later to build that promotions. I love that. And I can affirm that that is a, is a smart move. I've, I've done the same thing at times and Couples really don't mind it. As long as you're getting your stuff done and you present the option to them, they really, they don't mind, like they don't mind it. Of course, you're going to have some couples that are like, no, I want to, you know, but that's, that's kind of all about the whole ideal client conversation. Of course, you know, like bringing in the couples that are going to be cool with that. And, and like you said, as long as you can show progress moving forward and you can have documentation that both parties agreed that we've gotten the work done and we don't need to have this call, then you know, I think it's a great headspace protector for sure. And a time saver, like even if your headspace is okay, like those are, those are wise business moves to make in the sense of like saving time and, and things like that. So 
yeah, I think, you know, there's also benefits to those calls as far as creating connection in other ways. I'm not dismissing that by any means, but when the circumstance has us in that position, go for it. I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that out. So do you feel like there's a part here that other planners could learn from as far as like, what did, what did that look like with your assistants and your team and your staff? And then I have one other question for you. Sure. So about four months after I got divorced, my dog passed away. And I think that was really what drove everything home. That was, I think, other than like the week the pandemic hit and all of my clients are freaking out and I didn't know like what was going to happen. I think that was probably the lowest week of my life. And I was spiraling in and out of depression and just really struggling. I had like three weddings that week, I think, like a Friday, Sunday, and like one the following Friday. So I guess in that two weeks, so I just had a lot to focus on. And my first wedding that weekend was having a dog in their ceremony. So I actually showed up to the wrong location for the rehearsal. It's the first time that's ever happened. It's the last time that's ever happened. I was just not where my brain needed to be. And I was able to really just kind of be honest with them and say, hey, look, I had to put down my dog today. Please send me the address of where you're at. I will drive straight there and send you an ETA as soon as I'm on the, on the road. I apologize. And I promise that tomorrow my head will be where it needs to be. It's just, I just dealt with this 30 minutes ago and they were really compassionate. And I was very forward. I walked in and the mom gave me this like huge hug because they had told her. And I just like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And I was able to lead the rehearsal and like, it just went forward. And the couple was really, really compassionate about it. And I got really lucky. That was very risky to kind of tell them all of my personal things and then have them hopefully not freak out the night before their wedding. But I needed that compassion for them. And I needed them to know that, that no, I'm professional. I have a great team. I will be fine tomorrow. It's just the immediacy of what happened. And the next day, I had really, really strong assistants. I actually had my, the other planner that works for me. Emily was my assistant that day. And I just told her, um, and I think I added in a second person kind of, because I kind of saw it coming and was like, I am not going to be okay. I'm going to add an assistant. <laughs> and I just told them, I was like, look, if I just walk away, and there's something that needs to be handled, like, can you back me up? And don't, don't go check on me. Like I promise I'm okay. I just need a minute to kind of collect myself and get back. And that really helped to kind of know that I had really an experienced team and they knew what was coming up. They knew how to help me because they had the timeline. We'd gone over it. They knew the, they knew the personality of the client. And, you know, and I think there was only one point in that wedding where I, I really walked away and was just like, can you please do this, this, and this? And they were like, done. And I walked away and then like went and cried in the bridal suite. And having that support through the wedding, I think helped me hold it together just because I knew that I had the option to walk away and there wasn't quite so much pressure and stress on me to perform at my highest level. You know, with weddings, you only get one chance. And you can't have an off day is what they all say. But I mean, the answer is we're all human and that's just not realistic. So having a backup plan and support, um, if I hadn't had a co-planner at that time, that's when I would have brought in another planner as my assistant. So they are a wedding planner in their own right and can help with making smart decisions in that. And I, I do that quite often with, you know, with, Appa having, Hey, I need, I need some really strong. I need somebody with a backbone. 
and reaching out and then getting other planners to actually help with my weddings. And it really helps boost the confidence on the ones that you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a shit show. Um, (laughs) And then you have somebody and you're like, cool, I have three people with good brains that can, you know, help pacify Aunt Susie when she freaks out about that her Mm -hmm. table moved or whatever. And, you know, that really helped kind of have that support and allow me to walk away and allow me to know and trust that I had a good team. And again, I realized that I'm speaking from a place of privilege that I have a co-planner that can help step and do weddings. And I have an established relationship with a community in my area. Um, so I do have the opportunity for those sorts of things, but having like being able to set that up throughout your process so that in the event that you ever need it, you do have that to rely on is definitely helpful. Well, and you say a place of, of privilege, you've said that a couple of times throughout, and I appreciate that. I think to give yourself a little bit more credit, like you worked really hard for making space to create those things in our community. Like you gave me credit for a lot of the community or community in Austin, but like you were a big part of that. And so many others were, you know, like it, it was a team effort. And so those kinds of things you may now have that others don't have, but we saw a hole and we filled it so that we could have these areas of support. And, and that doesn't mean that all area, all things that we have that others don't have that like we went out and created, but like, my point is that these circling back to your neighbor competition, it's so important. And it's how Cassie got through the stories that she's sharing. And it's how I got through my baby being at risk for stillbirth and having colic and my marriage imploding. And like, it really, it takes a village and it's how, it's how we got through it. And I just, I really want to encourage anyone listening, a wedding planner or a DJ or photographer or whatever, if that's not existing in your market, there are ways to do that. And, and we'll at some point get into a show on that topic, but lean in and make that happen and don't stop until it does, because it is a game changer. And it really does. It doesn't, it can feel scary because people are like, oh, I, I'm going to like support my competition. But like, <laughs> as Cassie and I both said, all it does is elevate everybody. We all, we all rise. And so just give it some thought. But so I definitely thought that when I first started, like I, I actually really railed against the wedding community for the first like five years of my company because I had a really awful experience um, at a trade show where a planner told me, don't you just hate those ankle biters that plan their own weddings and then think they're planners? And I think I was two years into my company. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just knew that I was good at organization and I was figuring it out as I went. And I really was like, wow, this is a stuffy community and I want no part of it. I want to be the down to earth planner and I want to have real clients and, you know, I don't want the, the, I want to be a princess on my wedding day clients. Now I still don't want the, I want to be a princess on my wedding day clients. But what I found was, that was just the wrong person in the community and the rest of the community, my business blew up when I started having relationships. It went from, I'm a pretty decent lead generator to, Oh crap. Like I'm fully sold out for my dates and I have to like set some boundaries on what my dates are and things like that. And so, and then being able to guide the lead experience has been really big. So when somebody reaches out to me and I'm already booked for that date, I tell them, Hey, unfortunately I'm not available. Let me reach out to a couple of colleagues to see who might be. 
I reach out, I respond with contact information of people that I think are in a, a similar price bracket. And just kind of based on what I know about that lead on what they filled out on my form. And I've had time and time again, people are like, wow, nobody else has done that. That is so helpful because we just keep getting not availables and we're getting exhausted reaching out. And so that's kind of like a free service, I guess, that I provide. But then I'm giving business to people that I know are going to do a good job and they do the same for me. And it's not like, a oh, I scratch your back and you scratch mine and we have, you know, we get in bed together and it's not good for the client. It's great for the client because then they can stop kind of having this negative interaction. They have a buy-in because I don't know about you, but when I get referred to somebody, I'm way less likely to check them out on everything. And I'm way more likely to just start a conversation and see how I feel about them because they came highly recommended as opposed to I found somebody off the internet and I'm going to stalk them to figure out everything about them. And so you're kind of already backing up your, your planners that you know are going to do a good job with that. And so that actually caused my business to just blow up, which was amazing. So even though you are, yes, you are competitors, but you are date specific. You cannot fill two weddings in one date without like a team. And even still, you're going to run out at some point. And because dates are our inventory, you know, you, you spent all the money and the marketing money to get that lead. So why would you trash that money when you can trade it for somebody else's marketing money down the lines for a date that you are available? Yeah. Um, and it's a win-win. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's something that we've lived and breathed and experienced and can, you know, affirm to be true. And so I really, I would love to, I don't know, it seems so natural and easy to me and to us, I think, because we've experienced it for a while. And I, I get in this like chamber forgetting that so many other cities don't experience that. Well, while many do. And so it is really something this year that I want to be talking more and more about. And so I appreciate you jumping into that side of the conversation with me as well and kind of like dual hitting this episode. <laughs> and but, even even yeah, if yeah. you don't have it locally necessarily, and maybe this doesn't happen with the lead sharing, but the the refine events where you actually like hang out with a sub-segment of groups and there's a specific Facebook group for that group of planners kind of gives you some of that. It's not it's not necessarily all local, but it does give you that capacity to ask questions about what other people offer, ask questions about specific things that maybe you don't want to be open about, but you're fine to be open about in a group of, you know, five to 10 people. So like I've been to two, <laughs> but he's referring to the retreats and workshops. Yes. And, and so it, even if that's not local, like let's say you have a really small local market, then something like that also could fill some of that need of asking questions. And I still do that. I still reach out and say, Hey, in your base package, what do you all include? You know, are you including eight hours on the wedding day, 10 hours on the wedding day? Like, am I in line? And pricing will vary from market to market, but just kind of getting some ideas about what you, in, what you include and what that looks like can really help you kind of build your value and we eventually have, raise I your think, prices. I think out of each workshop, if I'm thinking about this correctly, well, two of the three at least, we've even had relationships build where they'll travel to assist each other mm -hmm. so it does like yeah it's pretty cool even not being local so I mean 
I have a friend out of Refine that we met. We ended up being roommates because um, of the of the Refine for Wedding MBA group. And I am a bridesmaid in her wedding. So oh, like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, and we've each flown to each other. So, I mean, definitely really happens. And and she's one of the people that I call when I'm like, hey, I got this tough email. I just I just need to talk out loud to somebody about how to answer this and get a brain check-in and, you know, kind of lean, not necessarily like lean on them, not necessarily put my problems on them, but just like get a second opinion of, yeah. am I insane for being upset about this? Or <laughs> is this like, is this oh, like I did that just today. And I was <laughs> kindly told that I was needed to simmer down. So, you know, and, I asked, and don't and you I, love that honesty? I know, but it's still like bugging me. I'm like, still like, oh, man. <laughs> like oh. fair. But, it's good. Now that's why I asked because I needed the honest answer, right? So I didn't keep going down the path of being feisty about something that I had no business being feisty about. So, okay, Cassie, let's wrap up. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. The The other question I was going to ask you ended up getting answered as we were kind of talking out some of that anyway. So friends, if y'all have questions as you're listening, shoot me an email at hello at refineforweddingplanners.com and I'll be glad to answer those. If you're in the Refine group, then you can connect with me or with Cassie. Cassie's information will be in the show notes for her Instagram and things like that if you want to pop over and get to know her a little bit more. But all that to say, thank you so much for joining us. I know that this topic is something that many really need to hear. It's not talked about a lot. And so Cassie, I appreciate your, your generosity and sharing that with us. I know that that's not the funnest that's not even a word, but that's not the most fun topic to talk about. So guys, as you're listening, if you'll be so kind, share this, share this podcast around and about. I, I just, I really don't think this is talked about much. And so if, if it can reach someone and help someone, then that's, that's the goal. That's what we want to do. So like, share, leave a review, all those fun things, and we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.